When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, hustlers, we know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business, or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you, introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute routing in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5k. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share Podcast is brought to you by Kayanir, a digital payment platform that provides online money transfer with its fast, flexible, secure, and low-cost solutions. Businesses across the world can pay and get paid globally. Visit Payoneer.com now. Also by Caliber. It's the easiest, most convenient way to get hired. Caliber Tailor fits the perfect job for you based on your unique skills. Hire the best people for your company at www.caliber.com and use the promo code HUSTLESHARE. Caliber, where jobs find you. And Chatbot PH. Save time and effort for your business. Automate how your team does customer service, marketing, and key redundant processes. All by using a chatbot. Invest in your own chatbot now and use AI to run your business. Go to www.chatbot.ph. Think really hard about the opportunity you're pursuing. Think really hard. Is it really a problem? Are you going to be rewarded for solving that problem? And uh, how do you build an organization around you to help you pursue that opportunity? Welcome to Hustle Share, the podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here's your host, Ronster Baitiong. Welcome to episode 58 of the Hustle Share podcast. My name is Ronster and I'm your host. And this episode is powered by Payoneer, a digital payment platform that provides online money transfer empowering businesses around the world to grow globally. 
We are a proud affiliate of the Podcast Network Asia, but before we begin, we'd like to remind you that this podcast contains not safe for work language, so make sure there are no kids when you're listening to this. Because today we're going to be talking to one of the most respected venture capitalists in Southeast Asia. And his name is Paul Santos, the managing partner of Wavemaker Partners. And this episode is easily one of the most must-listen-to episodes of Hustle Share. So make sure you take notes as early as possible. Because Paul is going to talk about how he started out his career while he was working in Procter & Gamble and the experiences that he got that eventually led him to become an entrepreneur. And then Paul's also going to talk about how he was able to found six companies where three of them got acquired. And then Paul's also going to talk about how he was able to put up a venture capital fund that is now invested in over a hundred startups across Southeast Asia. And the cool thing is Paul is also going to share with us what's the daily grind like of a venture capitalist and how they raise funding and also how they invest the funds that they raise into the startups that they invest in. And as always, don't forget to take down notes because there's going to be a ton of learnings in this episode, especially for Filipino startups that are listening to this. So if you're ready to learn the hustle behind Wavemaker Partners, let's begin this episode right now. Welcome to the latest episode of the Hustle Share Podcast. Finally, oh my God. So right smack in the middle of the Philippine Startup Week, we have someone that not a lot of people know, but you probably know him, but I'm the luckiest guy alive to finally got the same. So shout out where the shout out is due. Thank you, Ron Hose, for getting him on Hustle Share because I can't even take... Take, in, if I'm in Singapore, I'd be lucky to talk to him in five for five minutes. Because this is a very elusive man, and and to his credit, he is such an amazing a hustler in itself. But his hustle is about venture capital, where a lot not a lot of Filipinos are in. So welcome to the show, Miss Mr. Paul Santos of Wavemaker. <laughs> Paul, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Thank All you. right. So, Paul, again, right? Obviously, you probably came from wherever. You're always uh, around the world hustling as, as, as well. But, Paul, what's your hustle? So, I guess I'm an early stage venture capitalist. Okay. So, we invest in uh, usually seed rounds. Seed rounds. Yeah. So, we try to be the first institutional check for our um, portfolio companies. Nice. Um, so here in Southeast Asia, we've been doing it since 2012. Wow. Um, we've made about 118 investments to date. But what? I didn't know there was 118. But in the Philippines, who have you? I mean, I know Coins is one. Yeah. Caliber is one. Shout out. Yeah. They're our uh, platinum sponsor, Caliber. Okay. Yeah. So again, I'm a believer. I built my whole team, two startups now, using Caliber. So. Okay. I was, I was telling Paul, like, dude, I hated you before, but dude, you got good stuff in in this startup that you have, right? And who else that you invested, at least here in the Philippines? Um, where it's Sprout. Sprout. Oh my God, Patrick Gentry. Just I will, I will have them on the show. So already, uh, six point eight million dollars uh, for a seed round. 
Yeah, I was, that was Series A already. Series A already, sorry. Yeah, but dude, 6.8 for a Filipino startup. Again, that's not heard, unheard of here, the, those sample rounds. And then several ones too yeah, after. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, but Paul, before we, we, we go into, into deep, I want to dissect first because current hustles and success doesn't happen overnight. It happened through multiple rounds of failures and persistence and whatnot. Yep. Let's, let's ride a hustle share time machine and talk about how you started out. Because you're from AMDG, and I, uh, before, to the show, before we started the show, I told you that, you know, this is kind of a frenemy situation. I'm a yellow as yellow to match <laughs> high school and college. But how did you start your, your, your hustle? What, what was the first hustle that you did early on? Yeah, so I went to Ateneo and then um, in our course, uh, third year going to fourth year, th yep. that summer you're um, asked to do an internship. Oh. And so I, I got lucky. I I made it to the internship program of, of Procter & Gamble. PNG. Yeah, PNG. Wow, wow. So, yeah, so I got my taste of of brand management, product management, whatever you want to call okay. it. And yeah, so it was a, it's a great learning experience because right. the way they hire is as if they were hiring for full time. So they don't try to hire you as if you're an intern. They try yeah, to hire yeah. you as if they're bringing They have you an out. intention to really keep you after. That's the idea. And yeah. again, uh, when you luck out, um, you know, you get an offer uh, even before you graduate. So yeah. after the summer, my boss was kind enough to extend an offer. Nice. And so, you know, fourth year was, was good knowing that uh, after graduation, you had a job waiting for you. So that's Wow. So you, and also, you, so you continued and stayed in P&G. But in between that, like growing up, growing up, were there any early hustles that you did and whatnot? No, I actually, entrepreneurship was not something that I, I even thought of. Wow. So, you know, so I'm old. Um, so back in the day, the, I guess the dream of parents is you. You graduate from school, you get a good job. Yep. That's the mold. You know, the, see if you can get an MBA abroad was sort of the, wow. the big dream. Yep. And then maybe work, work abroad, work in the U.S. or something yeah. like that. And either stay there or come back here. It's Be a corporate professional. Yeah. So yeah. that was the plan. Got it. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I, I never really thought of myself, frankly, if you talk to me growing up. Got it that I was going to be an entrepreneur. Later on, let's talk about what, what changed and yeah. how did you do that. But in PNG, you stayed here. Again, I'm in LinkedIn. LinkedIn, I've been calling you out for the longest time. I use your platform to stalk my guests. <laughs> Sponsor me. <laughs> but you don't have a Philippine process. So if you're somewhere out there, I'm here, I'm waiting for you. I'm just kidding. But okay, um, Paul, what did you do in PNG? Uh, it says here, brand manager. What were yeah. the skills you developed? Because these are the... I believe that the foundation you get in your first few jobs and hustles will define what you'll be down the road. What are the things you learned during this, this, this portion of your life? So just to give, I guess, a little more context around the time. So we were, I'd compare, I guess, notes with my friends whose kids are graduating from college now. And there's so many opportunities, right. there's so many options for your career. Yep. Um, at that time, we didn't have too many, mm. uh, you know, stock market or whatever, right? right? But you know, I 
I guess the the career that attracted me the most was was this concept of brand management or product management. Yeah. Which, what you know, what brands are you privy to? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, so the, I started. Yeah, I, I had a few. I started my career with um, Mr. Clean, and then I had, no way. I, wow. I had Tide. I had. Kame beauty soap, if any of you Kame. remember. <laughs> Does Kame still exist now? You know? well, I don't know. I don't right, think so. Right. Um, but the, the, yeah, and then where I was brand manager was actually Safeguard, which is... Wow, the 99.99%. Yeah. Well, yeah. it was, that was market leader by far. No, so the, so the, the great thing about P&G, so there are a few things. So I, um, the kind of work you get to do. Yeah. Um, so as a brand manager, the idea is you're you're kind of like your general manager for your brand. You own it, per se. You're you're yeah. product owner of that brand, per se. Um, so the the main contribution is is marketing. Okay. Um, but usually you will get the chance to lead a cross-functional team. Wow. So you will have representatives from places like finance, uh, sales, um, product development, product supply, market research, etc. And they don't report to you. They, they report to their functions. Got it. Um, they're usually older than you. Correct. Um, and so you're coming in and trying to lead. Um, it's a young one. <laughs> yeah, you, you have to be able to win them over. Correct. Right? If they you don't buy in, right. And, and that's not always easy. True. Um, so that's one side of the the ask, the, the, the hustle. Job. Yeah, right, that, right. That, that was was cool because right. um, you you get to learn a lot about building a business that way. Yeah. Uh, the other thing about PNG that was really good was it's an upper out organization. So what, what does upper out mean? Um, they they never pirate senior people from outside to take the senior positions. It's from within. It's always promote from within. Got it. And in, in brand management where I was, um, that's where usually the, they groom the CEO. The eventual CEO of course. PNG is usually yeah. comes from so there. come from the bottom, literally. Yes, literally. And, mm-hmm. um, and if you, yeah, so there will be points along your career where you might not make it to the next stop. Yeah. And when you have an organization that's like that, mm-hmm. they take recruitment, onboarding, training. Yeah, seriously. Performance management, all of that uh, very seriously. Correct. And so you're really given opportunities. You're also you know, sort of given yeah. training and feedback, etc., to be able to get there. So they really nice. want to grow their leaders. That is amazing. Um, so that was, that was the other part that was really good and then you know when you combine those two uh you know the the size of business that you're able to manage at a young age right um is quite significant uh was it daunting for you because again for as a young one a lot of us come with so much passion idealism and whatnot but then you're hit with this wall but again what you do after that really kind of defines you how were you able to do that correct so one of the principles um, in in PNG is basically uh, it's supposed to be a meritocracy of ideas is sort of the idea. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. And the only way, um, as a young brand manager, my uh, my bosses would sort of encourage it's the only way you can lead people who are more experienced than you 
is to know more about your business than anybody else. So the hustle is, for example, for brand manager, I would review all of the safeguard advertising since wow. whenever I would read through, we would have... And it wasn't and, easy because there's no internet back then. No, no, no. You're we, talking we about had, paper. Okay. No, we had big um, tapes and whatever that wow. we would... Oh, so it's already documented. Yeah. At yeah, least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> you yeah. don't have to comb through all these newspapers and whatnot. No, but, you know, you just play and watch, right? Like, okay. You, know, you remember the Betamax? And, and, <laughs> um, or was it the VHS? I don't recall now which one we had in the office. But you'd have that. We'd have annual, uh, we call them business reviews and marketing plans. So okay. you see the progression of your yeah. brand, et cetera. So, so that was a big thing, mm-hmm. right? You, you, um, I would memorize mm-hmm. sort of our financials or cost structure by heart or market wow. share and this and that. So so the only way you can then sort of put an idea forward is you're you're basing it on history, on facts, etc. And then Correct. you have to add your own reflection on it. Yeah. Right? It cannot just be a memorization of history. Correct. And that's a good place to start. But then you'd have to be able to reflect on it and exactly and think through um, whatever recommendations you want to have and and go there. So that was that was a big thing. And yeah, I, re- I remember. Um, so I was lucky enough to to have been put on safeguard. And safeguard was, I guess, one of the uh, key brands of PNG. It was. It is the brand till now. It never really lost yeah. market leader. They were. They they have a few billion dollar franchises. Till now, oh, I'm, I still have the whole brand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But now it's liquid soup. We have liquid soup. Yeah. Before that didn't exist. It has to be a bar. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so if I were to pick one, I guess defining point of of my journey in PNG. Okay. Um, so, imagine going to you know. So you're a young brand manager from assistant brand manager. They promote you. Got it. I thought I would have been promoted in a, into a small brand. Wow. And you get thrown into a safeguard. Yes. So that was what? That was kind of um, scary, exciting, right? Yeah. Like, of course you're excited, right? This is right. this is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're scared because you, know, you might mess it up. Yeah. And safeguard had this momentum over the years, true, where it kept building market share. Yeah. And I would know like. You know, this safeguard brand manager did this, did this. Right, there was a, right. There was contributions. Yeah. And when when the base is getting higher, right. it becomes harder and harder to contribute. Correct. Right? And one fine day I come into the office, I, I remember the, mm-hmm. the details uh, because it, uh, it scared me that much. Uh, so safeguard was number one. So you remember the bar soap. Yeah. The... the, the the basic um, SKU was a 90 gram bar. Yep. At that time, it was going for nine pesos, 75. Wow. Something like that in the market, 10 pesos. And Colgate Palmolive had uh, Palmolive soap, which was number two. Right. Uh, and it was about the same price. Right. And then one fine day, I come into the office and I think they dropped their price. And so they were going something like seven pesos or something. Wow. Right? Now it's a price war. Yes. And so. Um, I, I was then imagining, okay, this market share might start to dip. Okay. <laughs> and the name of the brand manager of when that the brand right, was starting right. to dip would have been me. 
Right. And it wasn't a pleasant thought. Correct. Um, and so, so that was like crisis mode. Yeah. So got our team together, you know, spent time with, with our finance manager at that time, Mario. <laughs> just looking at it like, oh my God, what are we going to do? Okay. So, of course, you have to run. Uh, the numbers, yeah, of course. Run the numbers, right? So you had three options. So this is, I'll, I'll oversimplify it. But okay. Let's say there are three options. One option is protect your market share and match their price. Yep. Keep your price and try to protect your profit. Right. Or go somewhere in between. What did you guys do? Well, what would you have done? The knee-jerk reaction would probably be, if I was young, the knee-jerk would probably end up a match. But that's a knee-jerk. Yeah. I probably would, at this stage in my age, I'd probably keep the same price. Yeah. Um, so we recommended to keep the same price. Wow. But that was scary. I'm pretty sure at the back of your head, like, no, holy shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we, had, uh, we had a few tricks up our sleeve. Basically, we did the financial analysis, and there was... There was no way they could have had lower cost than us because of our true because of our, our scale. We were much bigger than them. So they're losing per SKU, or they sacrifice quality, or they were trying to bait us because that was our profit uh, center. And if we I tried flinch, if yeah. you if you match their price, you give away your profit. Then they can attack you in other categories. It's a way wow. to think about it. Right? So this is like Sun Chu art of war kind of stuff. Wow. So, so we had to do our own thing where. Safeguard would not normally do price promotions. Right. But so what I did was we, we asked for a big marketing budget. He said, we're yes. not going to give away the profits, but give Let's me a push. marketing budget. And okay. we did something like a buy three, take one free, ah. which would be an effective price, uh, price decrease. Because oh, the other thing was not only did they cut the price, they, if you remember, Martin and Pops were a thing. Right, that, right, right. They used them as the endorsers and they were like... Pushing, oh, yeah, yeah, they were, they were, yeah, and in the nineties, these were the couple, exactly, with their right? family, right? And right. so, T- until so, they broke apart, yeah, yeah they're, they're, <laughs> gone with them was small, but yeah, and so the idea is, um, the buy three take one free, right? People would take advantage of it and maybe buy two sets of that. Wow! And the idea was buy in bulk. Yes. Yeah, so the mm-hmm. idea was, if we loaded. The customers they won't buy anymore the other one and by the time they run out of money running their media yeah um they're still stuck stuck and they, then they're yeah, so they, back pocket. you wouldn't give the consumers a chance to switch wow that's amazing um and then so thankfully after that safeguard hit the, again record levels in, in, wow. in volume uh, share profit image it 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 rode that and then a year later is when I quit. <laughs> and then I, I'm done. I'm done with this. So, well, what, so what made a, you quit? And now you're talking yeah. to went to Dentsu. No, this, no. So, so that okay. was yeah. So that was my first business. Um, okay. I had so uh, childhood friend of mine, DJ Parpano, and I were okay. uh, classmates in school, and and he was doing some graphic design. Okay. And there were some projects he was trying to do. Okay. And you know we uh, we we tried with a couple of others to right. to win a project. Um, you bootstrap this, I have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So it was Gang and Toby, um, okay. TJ and me, and right. we lucked out again. We we closed a really big contract. 
How you just again? Here's but what this it is. Yeah. But this is okay. So it is in a, to be fair. Right. It was an international um, right. contract. Okay. Wow. Uh, for a different category. Okay. So it was it was food. So PNG had no food. So it was right. okay, and, and it was on the side. Um, Are you still doing this while PNG? Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. I was just we were just like no, mess, messing fine. around, yeah. right? Like yeah. saying, okay, you know, can I help you do this? Let's, let's right, do right, this project, right? right? Mm-hmm. And then the, the idea was after the project, mm-hmm. you could have just divided the proceeds and Correct. You know, go on. Right. And then we just had this stupid idea of, oh, why don't we just turn this into a company? Since you're just you're, you're just playing with house money, like you're riding. Right. Double down. Yeah. And so actually, the reality was I was, I was already going to resign. Oh, to do this, okay. And then Palmolive dropped its price, and so there was a decision. <laughs> Mike didn't pass. This is your part. You yeah. would have resigned already. Now. Yeah. So there was this point where I couldn't resign because if I did, it's like I'm running away from a fight. True. Right? True. Right. And so that's why I said, "Can't go. I got to do this first. Right, you got to win. Get this W." Yes. Then, yeah. So after that, um, then with Stable, I said maybe time to give this a, a, a chance but you know there's a corny side to this because I'm from Ateneo and we yeah. have these um, Jesuits we hang out with and so that was a big uh, I guess a big life decision for me yeah which, and it would be scary well, yeah. because now you're how how many years did you say in PNG four no, or five years four years um, and you know when you so again this whole upper out thing right when things go your way and again right sometimes you get a little lucky with mm. with a little hard work opportunities open up true and let's just say there were interesting opportunities ahead of me you're dangled already um or trade that to do this entrepreneurship thing right um and again if you can imagine uh old school filipino parents like they will not agree to this like what yeah. are you doing anak yeah huh you have a good job, oh, and yeah. you're safe guard, and then boom. Exactly, right? and so, so yeah, so f- of course I have to do the. Uh, I I I brought one Jesuit priest home, his father Ted Gonzalez, wow. um, and he had this interesting retreat. So it's gonna be a little weird, but no problem. Go AMDG. That's it. Let's yeah. go. No, no, no. So the, so okay. Saint Ignatius is known for discernment. Yes. And so there's this um, retreat that he had uh, put together called Life's Directions. Got it. And a, a good friend of mine and I went together. Mm-hmm. And long and short of it, it, my discernment at that time was, you got to give this a try. And mm-hmm. w- one of the things that helps me even until today is I had this corny conversation with my folks okay. saying, I'm going to put this thing at risk to try to be an entrepreneur. Wow. I have one question to ask you. Uh, I think I know the answer, but I want to hear it anyway. Okay. Um, if if I mess this up, you won't disown me, right? You still love me. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you just had to hear it. And, All right. Uh, and uh, and uh, my mom sort of smiled and just shook her head and said, "Of course." That's right? amazing. Um, but and and this. Uh, I honestly think this is part of what helps me moving forward is um, 
I think everybody deep down inside doesn't feel they're good enough. Imposter syndrome. Yeah. And in, in whatever way, yeah. right? But nobody is. Mm-hmm. And if you can choose or if you know there are a few important people who can back you up or give you that, that solid core. Love and accept you regardless. Yeah. Um, for me, that's a great source of strength. Absolutely. And I totally agree. I can relate to this because my mom was my rock. Yeah. My grandma was my rock. Rest in peace to her soul. That's why I put her tattoo of her prayer on my arm. And then now it's my girlfriend. Yeah. That's my core. So now you know my weakness, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> but that's my core. I don't care what everybody else says. Yeah. That's my core. And yeah. so that, uh, that was great. So, yeah. so I said, okay, I, I um, had a, uh, I resigned. Um, again, I, I, I was lucky. I had some really great uh, Co-founders. bosses. Yeah. No, even bosses okay. in PNG okay. who were quite supportive. Uchua, Jessica, Baya, Erwin Lechikon. Uh, John Epko was the general manager at that time. Wow. When I was resigning, he was teasing me. Um, was it too easy? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, boss. Um, but he, he also came from an entrepreneurial family, so I guess he understood yeah. um, what it was about. So I remember my last day was June 30th, 97. Um, so there were two things that uh, happened then. One was one of my closest friends from high school right. and college uh, passed away from cancer. Oh, wow. So that was a, a sort of a, um, a moment to reflect around right. life, how fleeting life is, right? Yeah. And the other one was a week after I resigned, the Asian market crisis happened. Oh, my God. The dot com. I mean, uh, this no, is not this, this is Asian one. Right? Yeah, this is when the Philippine peso went from zero 25 pesos 20. to a US dollar to about 40 pesos to a US dollar and it never recovered it's still there we're yeah, pretty yeah. much hovering 50 at. plus right now oh, anyway man. so so it, not exactly the perfect time to build a yeah. marketing business with limited funds. Uh, track record yeah. limited funds and the first budget clients will cut this marketing right. so I had perfect timing and this was uh, you know character building time is how I refer okay so let's take our first break and when we come back what was it like for you now being this entrepreneur because I'm pretty sure after the discernment and all these things you know prepared you for it but nothing really prepares you until you jump right but let's talk about that more after the break even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. 
Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact 24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. Calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate your growth. Submit your pitch to Impact 24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at SASCON PH, the country's biggest SAS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at saschallenge.ph. That's saschallenge.ph. And good luck and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. Okay. And we're back from the break. We're still with Paul Santos of Wavemaker. Oh my God, that was so intense. And I already know that this is going to be one of our best episodes traction-wise so far because no the whole startup community, no, for real, the whole startup community should hear about this because this is the big boy's game and it doesn't, a lot of us talk about ourselves in the same level, but in order for you to be able to learn, you need to punch a, 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 a weight class higher and whatnot and see the perspective of those of people who have come before you. And that's why we, this is a such special episode. And this is important. We, we're highlighting the startups here and hopefully we have better startups now and better investments and whatnot. Uh, but let's, let's continue. Okay, so Paul, what was it like now doing your... What's the name of the business? Was it uh, Vertex or India? India uh, the, first. India. India was the... Um, okay. So you were an agency. Yeah. Okay. So typically, uh, agencies or design shops right. want to grow up to become big advertising agencies. Yep. Um, for some reason, I, mm-hmm. I started to get interested in where marketing and technology would intersect mm. and it didn't look like an, an ad agency so and it didn't look like and again this was Asian finance and financial crisis how yeah. was it like ah, okay so good good um, it would have been very difficult already so so we we started basic design going up right okay um, so some some life lessons there right so the first time I became an entrepreneur, just something like cash flow, yeah, uh, is something you take for granted because right. in PNG, you don't have to think about that, right? You you get your salary, you know, every month. You know, once you approve a, well, your budget gets approved, you just yes go and spend. Okay. It. Yeah, I mean, you don't really see the bank accounts. You don't exactly. worry about that. You're just building the business, right? Yep. And in the real world, obviously, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> Payroll is the biggest bitch of them. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I remember. Um, so one of those things would be, you know, the, so uh, my my colleague then Ethel would would tell me, oh Paul, um, this is how much we have in the bank account, uh, to, and this is how much we need to make payroll. Yeah. And I said, okay, so I have to go out and hustle, find somebody to sell to. Exactly. And. Yeah, you know, fortunately, we never missed payroll. We we were able yes. to find something somehow, uh, and so, so, as we were doing it, this whole question of, so what do we be? What do we be when we grow up? 
Correct. was something I was always thinking about. Okay. And again, the initial assumption was maybe we become some sort of ad agency, yeah. ad agency hybrid. And then I started to see, well, there's this side of technology. How can we use it? And, Got it. and the internet was, was just starting. So it wasn't really web pages yeah. right away. But, um, and so that's sort of the direction we headed. And uh, we brought in, uh, so, one, so, so the first thing is, you know, just practical things around the mm -hmm. business, right? Like, right? Again, like I said, cash flows and audits and all mm -hmm. of this stuff. The second is, you know, it, the real world is very different from PNG. In PNG, mm -hmm. you're forced to talk to your bosses, you call them by their first name. And I remember the first yes. time I, I did it, even as a summer intern, mm. it was difficult for me to call very senior people by their first name. Not I, say sir. Yes, sir yes. or Mr. This or Miss yes. This, right? Yes. But that they forced you to do that because they wanted you mm. I mean, I guess it's a culture thing, right? Like, right. Again, to help um, promote this whole meritocracy of ideas. True. Right? And not have a hierarchy. Yes. I mean, yeah. it's there, but they do things like this to, to enable it. Correct. Um, but in the real world, people like being called... Sir. Yeah. And, you know, I guess the Ateneo training didn't help. Okay. <laughs> Because you're very respectful. <laughs> you could say maybe yeah. you could come across as overconfident. Oh, wow. No, because, you know, you, you're confident. And then yeah. I, I thought PNG was probably the best place to learn this stuff. Got it. And if I had clients, in my mind, I know at least as much as you about marketing. Right. Uh, because I think the brand I handled was... Dude, the safeguard. Was, was, ...was credible enough. And, and so... Let's just say it didn't always go down so well. Got it. <laughs> and so I realized about myself that, you know what, maybe, maybe I shouldn't be playing this role. Um, and so a classmate of mine was associate managing director at Ogilvy, Sanjali. And we got to talking and, you know, she, she came on. And uh, she became you know, sort of managing director together with my partner, DJ. And so you had a buffer now. I, quick, I kicked yeah. myself up. Got to it. sort of the board chairman, whatever yeah, you want yeah. to call it, and I would just come in when needed, correct. strategy or certain pitches. But correct. managing the clients and this and that was not same exactly my skill set. That's that's kind of what I do now in Chatbot PH, right? Um, before I was in the front line of the war, but I realized I'll be more effective if someone was there as a new face, and then someone I'll just like be Thanos. Come in and like, oh, I'm here. You're, you're all fucked up. And what, what, you know, you're so, you're there to support. Well, yeah. it's also, you know, their, their skills gets and is very good with clients, winning mm. their trust, servicing, and this and that. And the alaga part. That's yes. the one of the most important thing, yes, you know, yes, because yes. if you, if so, it's it's different. It's not just a one time thing. Oh, we're close, done. No, this yep. is a relationship you yes. nurture. And so, so the the next thing I learned around this is around business models. Um. So it's, a, it's, it's fun because you're mm -hmm. creating, but in some sense, it's also a thankless job because it never stops. Correct. Because, you know, it's competition. So when you're working with the client to develop their marketing, they have competitors who will have their wow. own yeah. initiatives, right? And so you have to keep getting better, keep right. getting better. And there's certain aspects of the business model because it's a time-based business. Of course. Right? So 
you know, there would be elements like peaks and valleys. There would be right. elements like, you know, um, every marketing material is actually co-created with the client. Mm. If it's good, the client looks good. If it's bad, the agency looks bad. <laughs> sort of like a coach. You know, if the, if the team yeah. plays good, yeah. the players look good. If the team plays bad, it's the coach's fault. But, but then you think about the business model then and... and yeah. If you have a good client relationship and they move, mm. and then somebody new has a good client right. relationship with another agency, your job's in trouble too. So it right. was like, this is tiring. And so either we find a way to scale right, uh, or we sell it was sort of the conclusion I came to. And what did you do? Because I'm looking at your wavemaker.vc profile. And one thing that I'm very curious to ask is you've sold, you've founded six companies, yeah. you've sold three of them. Yeah. 50% shooting uh, field goal yeah, percent. But how this, did, is, this is like Philippine pesos, let's be real. Like this okay, I understand, like but an exit is an exit. billion dollar things. It, so I, I do say, you know, I, I say that, you know, just to make sure that, you know, we're not trying to say that we're, we're, we're megastars or anything like that. Right. But, but, but again, the experience of going through it um, it's different. Is, is very yeah. helpful for me correct, and, correct. and sort of helps me, uh, I guess, make decisions. Of course. So with Indio, you got to sell it. Yeah. How did you decide that, all right, I'm pretty sure you were in your 20s when this happened. Yeah. How's that process like? Because I went through this as a 30-year-old with Chatbot BH. Yeah. Came from a loss, sold it 12 months after I put it up. Oh, yeah. So I started... 25 as an entrepreneur. Yeah. 26. Um, no, I was early 30s already when I sold. Okay, um, right around the same age, right. Um, no bankers then or anything. So Bootstrap, wow. No, we, we had some investors. Uh, no investment bankers to, to just ah, go through the process, got it, right? Got like, it, got it. This, how many acquisitions were done? How many? Right, right. So <laughs> really? it, it, yeah. You're just basically learning as you do. Correct. Um, no, so so studied the agency models, studied yeah. and got to talk to a few. Okay, uh, there's there's a formula. I remember it's typically five times EBITDA plus net asset value. Wow! Oh, there I remember. We'll put that in the show. Five times EBITDA plus net asset value. Right. So if you're shocked, we will put that in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, but it doesn't matter in the tech world because you have no EBITDA, <laughs> and most of them are not even profitable. And right. You probably are asset light. Correct. So anyway, so that that was the formula I remember right. at that time. Right. And so you you argue around that, and and they'll typically buy fifty one percent, and then over time you you sell majority, more, more, et cetera, okay. et cetera. Yeah. And, and and just I guess from among the groups we met, okay, uh, we were able to strike a deal with with Dentsu, Dentsu, uh, the biggest network in, in Japan, yeah, but yep. Yeah, and just, let's just say we, I think we did better than five times EBITDA plus net asset nice. value because EBITDA was low. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> because, because, because I sold the future of data and technology and this and that. So there, wow. I had some practice. Right. Uh, and so people were laughing when they heard about what we were able to. Again, it's right. a modest amount. Otherwise, hey. it was okay. You know, right. But they were, a win is a win. Yeah, so right. they say, how did you get away with that? <laughs> Wanted hey, it, you know? that's a hustle. That's a PNG hustle. <laughs> yeah, if you yeah, can yeah, ask yeah, for a budget yeah. in PNG, yeah, you can yeah, sell yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah. Frame right. it, frame <laughs> it. Um, so, but I was already in Singapore at the time, and I was actually ah. while while you know partners were running the Indio businesses when I Got started 
Vertex, which is a call center together with my partner. Lori. And the call center was here? Here. Okay, wow. And this is right smack in the middle also of the, 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 the BPO boom. Yeah, so when we started, this was about 2000, it was a small industry. Yep. I don't know, um, not too many players. And right. Going around also raising angel investment at that right. time. Like, what the hell is a call center? <laughs> right. But um, hey, as the, those years progressed, 2002 to 2006, that was the boom. A lot of the, the bigger ones started yeah. putting we, up here. And, and we really didn't have a venture capital industry or much of it at True. that time. True. So you had to work with angels. And at some point, you know, obviously, I'm grateful for the, to, the, to our angels um, for giving me the opportunity to try this. Yeah. But at some point, um, you need really big capital to scale. True, something. true. Because you can't just keep on like several hundred little cute paychecks. Right. You need serious money to, to scale. And, and again, there came a point where if we're not going to find the capital to scale this, would it make sense to, to sell it? Got it. And so we did that. So we did a partial sale until a full sale. Um, nice. But by the time we sold it, it was about, we had about 2,000 people doing customer service and technical support. Are you kidding me? 2,000 like, people? You guys like Gateway Computer, Sony, Panasonic, etc. Again, wow. in the end, uh, you wish you could have done more for your investors. You yeah. wish you could have done more for your team. Um, but you land but you'll softly. take the win, though. Yeah, again, you land yeah. softly, etc. So Correct. So yeah, so I had a, so I tell founders I, I've had some experience building a business with about twenty people. I've had a, some experience building a business with about two thousand people. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, I'm literally getting goosebumps. It's <laughs> just like yeah, hey, two thousand people. Easy. Like, no, no, but but yeah. So the same. I, I didn't know anything about the industry. Um, we recruited a team that was quite experienced, and you know, they they ran the operations, and I just had to be sort of. What was the challenge doing the two thousand the call center uh, business? Because this is a totally yeah. different thing. Yeah. Twenty thousand twenty people, yeah, you can build culture. Sure. At two thousand two thousand people, everything is is Godzilla Godzilla like. How are you able to keep the the, the boat from falling apart? Um. So it ultimately it boiled down to the management team and mm. the organizational. Uh, sort of structure design yeah. that you come up with, right? Like, okay. yes, uh, I I probably knew most of the employees, until hundred, maybe three hundred, right? But when you get to the two thousand level, there will be oh. people who come and say hi, and you say hi back, but well, you have no idea who they are. Yeah, unfortunately, right? right? And you kind of have feel bad, but uh, yeah. what can you do? Exactly. Um, yeah. So so one of the principles I. I really, one, I learned from BNG, I learned from my own experience as an entrepreneur, which I try to share with founders is, and it, it, this sounds obvious, but you need to take time to think about it, is every organization is perfectly designed to deliver the results it delivers. Right? And oftentimes, when things aren't going so well, um, people always just think about the strategy, the product, the business model, mm. And don't give enough thought around, well, what's wrong with the organization? And in a very young company, what's wrong with the organization will likely fall first with the founders. Yes. And the management team they bring in. Correct. And you, that's where you have the tough conversations. Um, but unless you take the responsibility for it, 
or unless you start thinking about it, you can't make the change. Correct. So if you if you want to improve your business, mm-hmm. don't just think about improving your strategy, product, business model, which is mm-hmm. again the default, which is everything you hear out there. You know how to hack this and that. Yeah. Start with the core. Think about how you strengthen yeah. your organization, and it's the same mm-hmm. for scaling. And so that's the so it was first-hand experience of, yeah. of where. So I'll give you a very practical example, which I try to use to illustrate this point. Okay. So when you have a uh, call center, you usually have a team of 10 agents. And you know, as you try to scale, you need more and more agents. And you would need to uh, promote some people right. to become supervisors, yes. yeah. Yeah, team leaders, supervisors. I right? worked in a call center. That's my first job yeah. ever. Okay, so That's who, why I have this fake accent. Yes. Right. So who's the first Who's the first one who gets the chance to be a TL? Usually best, the ones... The, the best, best seller. Yeah, or the best agent, right? Yes. And that's, that's because you have no almost no choice or you think that you know, that's the best person because he, they did the best as an agent. They right. must be a good... Leader. Uh, team leader, right. right? Which does not follow. Mm. And the best leader is usually the one who's, who knows how to lead. Correct. Uh, but call centers aren't always equipped to figure this out, to pick the right people true, true. and to nurture them there. And you know, the second thing related to this is people always would say, oh yeah, to be able to execute this, where you're going to find the agents, this and that. It's really not the agents. I mean, I would say the team leader, supervisor, operations manager are what will make or break True. any project. Whoever your leadership team is. Yes, right? because that's where you can see the differences across teams. Mm. The best leaders know how to pick their people, know how to keep them in line, know how to inspire them, know how to grow them, etc. And so this is just a small example Correct. of a call center team. So imagine now a complex business or a business that's trying to scale even faster uh, competing against others with you know a lot of capital, etc. Then you can then imagine uh, the kind of rigor you need to have as you're building your organization. Absolutely. But I think people take it for granted. True, absolutely. Now I'm curious about what happened next. So after the call center, you you founded several more companies, and then were there anything profound that you did before the VC thing? Before you found. Yeah, uh, so so I moved to Singapore about thirteen years ago, and okay. it, it, I was already there's about yeah, and I sold. I think the ink was dry closing those deals. I was already in Singapore. Okay, and I moved there because my wife's job was moved there, and like I like okay. to say, she makes the final decision. I love in Singapore. Our house. I keep saying this in all the episodes. Yeah, bakute is life. Yeah, songfa. There, yeah, songfa. Yeah, so when I moved there, as um, I was in the process of selling, um, that's when I decided to, I guess, co-found companies with no operating role or start okay. to angel invest. And that ah, was when I made my first angel investment. Got it. And I found that, okay, so, so you're using, a, you know, you, use, you talked about basketball earlier, right? So let me use the sports analogy. There you go. That's so, so there are... Some players, really good players, who make lousy coaches. And there are some yep. mediocre players who become better coaches. And some, my favorite coach was never really an NBA player. Popovich never really played in the yeah, NBA. Yeah, no, yeah. Um, 
even Larry Brown was a shitty player. Yeah. Then, so so yeah. I saw myself as maybe, you know, just comparing myself with some of the founders in our stable. Maybe mm-hmm. I was in the middle, medium. Um, but I think I enjoy coaching more. Wow. Building better players to be better de- versions of themselves well, that, or that, realize their full potential. That, that's the that's the nice that's a nice way to say it. Yeah. Um, the other way to say it is you know there's a lot of work that goes into becoming an entrepreneur, and you know when you get a little older and have gone through it a few times, yeah, uh, and you have no new ideas, and maybe you're just a little more tired. <laughs> You'd the stamina, not. yeah, yeah. You'd rather play in the sidelines. That, that said, I, I do look at Wavemaker as an entrepreneurial endeavor. And mm. I just think it's less intense than um, what some of the founders need yeah. to do. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, uh, it's no walk in the park. True. And I probably, yeah, I'd, I'd ar- some would argue or I would argue maybe I am working harder than I ever have. But yeah. I'm also having a, a time of your life. Yeah, right. so, so there. So sometimes... You know, when you talk about uh, founder opportunity fit, right? I tell people that I hope to God I'm good at this so I can do this for a long time. Yeah. Because it's just, unfortunately, a long feedback cycle. Correct. So I have decent midterm marks. Mm. Um, don't have my final report card just yet. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jury's still out. Yeah. yeah. So we're, we're returning some money to our investors, but until I multiply their money, I can't say I'm Hey, you had exits here, but yeah. you know, again, uh, multiple exits, not just uh, the most recent one that I know is uh, again, Ron Hose and Coinsat PH. So, congratulations on that one. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious, because uh, you have another great co founder here in Eric Mandunes. How did you institutionalize? So, you started angel investing and whatnot. How did you, like, all right, let's put a proper VC firm? Again, I don't know, again, I'm probably naive, but I don't know any other VC firm that's Pinoy at the core. Well, you know, I, from from a tech startup point of view, at yeah, least well, tech investing. The, everybody's ninong is Dado. Okay, I mean uh, yes, Dado is there, but in terms of like as a VC firm, you guys yeah. are front and center in this, in, at least in how I see it. I see yeah. it again. I mean, I might be naive. It's kind of you. Um, right. I don't know. Right. Uh, so how did it start? Was he was also from Ateneo? Okay. Um, Man, I'm over. This is the ratio of Athenians versus Tomashians in this podcast is scary yeah. to me, especially yeah. this coming UAP my, finals. My, my folks both went to UST. If it's any okay, go, go, go. They both All went right. to UST. Thank school. you. Uh, yeah, my, my dad was high school. My mom was college. In UST, yeah. so. I'm both high school and college. Okay, so. <laughs> um, no, so uh, we were introduced. Uh, he was already, you know, in, he was doing his thing in, okay. in the U.S. And initially, yes. actually, the conversation was, would you like to invest in the U.S. fund? Oh. And then I sort of turned the tables on him okay. uh, because the National Research Foundation in Singapore was, was calling for proposals for, okay. for that technology incubation scheme. Okay. And it's five is to one matching. And when mm-hmm. he heard five is to one, he okay. said, that sounds like it's you know, something we should be going for. So yeah. we joined forces to go after that. And again, fortunate enough that they let us in. Okay. And that led to the first Southeast Asia Fund. Uh, wow. It was about 2012. Okay. Now let's talk about funding in a general form. Again, so for those people who haven't heard the other VCs that we're in, venture capitalists don't invest 
just their own money. They also have LPs, which is limited partners. And it's the job of the VC to look for LPs so that they can invest and hedge those bets across multiple startups. How did how did do you walk us through your daily grind? What what is it like from a VC's point of view? Is it right. do you, are you always because you also have to have deal flow, which is Correct. investing. How do you balance that out? Uh, so internally, we've again. Uh, Toby knows these are the guys on the team. Know this we uh, we have ve- and Gavin. Gavin's a good friend, by the way. Shout okay. out to Gavin. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, to Mandy and Pearl, by the way, thank you very much for setting this up for me again. Thank you, Ranos. Thank you, appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we we've defined certain core processes that okay. we run. Uh, one of them is obviously our deal process, right? Okay. So from you know um, sourcing deals, evaluating deals, right. you know, selecting, negotiating, and closing, supporting to exit, right? So that's a that's a process, and there's always something happening. Uh, in that process, with given the size of our portfolio, yes. Uh, and how many startups do you have now in your portfolio? One hundred eighteen. Holy crap! Yeah. Wow. And that's then, a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. That's why I, I need a lot of help. Um, Correct. And at the same time, so that's one. But another of our core processes is is obviously our investor relations, right? So, like mm, you said, I need LPs. to be, you know, the same sort of sourcing LPs to talk to, you know, getting a chance to speak with them, right. trying to close them, and then uh, servicing them Got it. Uh, after, and then hopefully returning or multiplying their money. Right. I'm curious about one thing. Is I know how to pitch as a startup entrepreneur to a VC or an angel. Or whatever. I've done that route. But how different is it from a VC to pitch to an LP to ask for that yeah. money? Is it any different? What's, the, what's that conversation like? Oh, I, I guess, you know, um, in some ways it's the same. Okay, wow. Basically, you need to get them to buy into you mm. and what you're doing. And in some sense, it's a little different because uh, you're not building just one company. You're trying to explain to them how you're going to build a portfolio of interesting companies. Yes. Um, and, you know, one of the ways I, one of the things I try to explain is, mm-hmm. You know, we have 118 companies, but 100 of them are B2B and deep tech, right? Enterprise and deep tech. Yes. And, you know, enterprise founders would complain sometimes. You know, it's it's hard <laughs> to raise uh, funding for an enterprise startup True. here in Southeast Asia. Yeah. Because everybody else likes the consumer stuff, generally, right. right? And my retort is simply, you know, if you think it's hard raising money for an enterprise startup, try raising money for an enterprise fund. Oh, my. Uh and yeah, so it's, it's, you know, you will have questions like, who the hell are you? What have you done? <laughs> yeah. um, right. How is this not luck? Mm. And prove to me there are going to be exits. Like, how do you answer those questions? Right? How, do you, how, how do you retort? How, what's, what's your re- rebuttal for that? Yeah. There are several layers to this. Okay. Um, so the first thing that you need to be able to do, which is much easier now than before is uh, do you, I, what I tell um, investors do you believe that Southeast Asia is fertile ground for building valuable companies or not right Boom. right so so if if I cannot convince you or if you if you don't believe that right there's no use for us to talk correct because so, you never believe that we'll be able to build the valuable absolutely company. now if you do give you know us the the chance that yeah maybe you can build mm. a 
valuable companies in Southeast Asia, then what kind of valuable company should you build? Mm. And uh, the more, I guess, obvious model would be the consumer stuff. Why? Because our unicorns are all, or most of them are consumer. Exactly. Um, You look at the China and India ones, the famous ones they're consumer. Even the ones in Indonesia are mostly consumer. Yeah, I, I mean... Yeah, so I, I think aside from Zilingo, and there are yeah. not too many that are. Right. Um, and so, how do you convince people of that? Right? Got it. And so then you have to show you know, what's in your portfolio, you have mm. to show you know, global numbers. Um, and so, you know, there's an interesting uh, blog done by Sapphire Ventures, which is the venture arm that spun out of SAP that does nothing but enterprise. Yeah. And you'll see there that globally, um, there are more B2B exits. The total exit value is more and the concentration is actually less. And also, I would have to agree on that because I came from a B2B exit. It's an easier con- And again, the, 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 the hype goes to the B2C because it's recognizable. Yeah. But what works behind the scenes, the, the, your chances of winning or the chance of exit is higher if it's B2B because it's a, obviously the check sizes are bigger and you're uh, taking care of real enterprises as, as a business model. Yeah, so, you know, so here's another way I say it, right? So people would tease me, oh, enterprise and deep tech, both patient capital, huh? <laughs> and what I just say is, look, you just have to choose what you want to be patient with. All venture capital needs to be patient capital. So in the consumer game, you'll see number of users, you'll see uh, signups, you'll see GMV, right? You'll see all of these things scaling rapidly, and that gets people excited, right? But you could also see high churn rates. You could also see bad unit economics. And when you multiply bad unit economics by hyper growth, you have hyper burn. And um, we weren't. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I didn't want to say it, but I just had to say it. Yeah, there are right? a few. There are a few models like this, right. and you know, I middle class boy from emerging market like the Philippines. I I'm less comfortable with stuff like that. Right. Uh, again, it's just me. Yeah. Now, on the other side, if you look at the enterprise stuff, of course, it takes a long time because your product has to be ten times better than what's out there already. True. And it takes a while to convince people. Yeah. You have to sell, right? Because it has to be 10 times better. And Absolutely. there are many people who have to agree that it's 10 times better. It's not, usually it's not just one person, right? There, there are a few slacks, slack-like companies where at first contact, they're hooked. And yeah. those are very few. But see, growing up, the classic technology company for me was Microsoft. And yes. people forget Microsoft would hoard cash. Microsoft would have amazing profit margins. Microsoft would hoard cash because in case anything happens, they would have enough reserves. They have a moat. And they would have some of the smartest people in the world and try to figure it out. And for a time, they lost their luster. But with their, you know, know, credit to them going all into the cloud, they're back. But going back also in terms of the luster, but Steve Ballmer did what he had to do and he got through Bill Gates and now to Satya. Yes, uh, he, I think Satya is doing a great job. Yeah. I mean, you know, not that I know him, but right. I, I think what he's doing is good. And so, so going back to the thought process, um, 
while building the product is hard, while right. um, selling is hard, if you make it through, gross margins are usually good. Yes. Churn rates are usually lower. lower. And yeah. because you built a superior product and distribution, you probably will have a more sustainable business. Yes. Um, and so the, the risk is, can you do something 10x better? Can you close that deal, right? So you is just that have to the ratio? Is it always supposed to be 10x or bust? No, no, again, let's bring it down to, because these are easy things that um, are spouted and you have to think what's beneath it, mm. okay? So what's beneath it is this. If you've ever worked in a larger organization or any organization, yeah. you would know that change management is hard. Like just changing habits as a human being by yourself is yeah. hard. Convincing a bunch of people yeah. to change their habits is hard. Yeah. And so that's why I think it's valuable because if you're able to break through that, then you're rewarded because then they will stick with you longer. And so the 10x thing, the reality is it's got to be worth their effort to, to change. Switch. Got it. If it's an incremental effort, uh, it's an point, incremental right? improvement. Why make the effort? Exactly. There's an opportunity cost all the time, right? Yeah. And, and again, there's, you, you try to systematize things a certain way because that's what creates the order. That's what creates the consistency. Yeah. Now, after you set something up, trying to rip it out and do something new is hard. Yeah. And you don't do this every day. You, or you tr at least you try not to. You mm -hmm. try to get to a steady state. That's how you get your optimization, etc. Mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And so the only reason you're going to give that up is because this is clearly superior. And so that's why you'll do it. And so that's why, you know, uh, the, the 10x thing is just... Uh, like a benchmark or whatever. Yes, a way yeah. to frame it. Okay. To, to just push yourself to be that much better. Got it. So if you're developing an enterprise product, hell, even it's a B2C. 10x is the magic number. All right. Now, let's like take another break. And when we come back, let's now pay it forward to the, the whole community. But let's take it and provide more clarity. And again, this is amazing already. But let's talk about that more after the break. Hey, Hustlers. It's time to talk business once again. And we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter you grow your own startup because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees and this bundle is your key to freedom including payroll outsourcing to experts a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software and government compliance services sprouts payroll starter has you covered for payroll bir sss and taxes all the stuff that no founder loves to do so let sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress all this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey Hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, 
is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Pilipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with Gcash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag UnoReady savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag UnoEarn or hashtag UnoBoost time deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag UnoEarn in flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels, giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. Dragon Pay was named FinTech of the Year at last year's Philippine FinTech Festival in 2023. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer, trust Dragon Pay. And we're back from the break. We're still with Paul Santos. Oh my God. If you haven't learned, if you made it this far, I'm pretty sure you've learned so much. And if you're an avid listener of Hustle Share too. I'm pretty sure um, at this point you you would have not heard anything of this 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 uh, degree ever. So thank you very much for all ahead of time and whatnot. But let's let's, let's move forward. Um, I'm curious about metrics as a VC as a firm. What are the metrics you guys care about? And because again, for for startups like yeah, product product market fit and all this churn and blah blah blah. But from a VC, what are the metrics you care about the most and whatnot? So. Ultimately, did you did you multiply investors' money? Mm. And what's the holy grail? Because when you pitch these LPs, yeah. what what do you what's the benchmark? Hey, this is minimum you'll get. Well, one you you 
don't make that promise. Ah. <laughs> you don't set that high bar. No, no, no. Okay. You, you can't say you're gonna get this. Okay. Because then they know you'd be lying because you don't really know. Got it. Okay. Um, but what you try to convince them of is there's a shot at it. Mm, there's a that's fair worth it. There's too. a fair shot at it. So you, okay. yes. So every so there are a few principles around any kind of investing, not just venture investing, okay. right? Like um, there's always some relation between mm. risk and reward, mm. right? So the typical way people think about is low risk, low reward, high risk, high reward, mm. right? So if you look at you know the venture class, that's probably a high risk, high reward thing, right? right. Um, but the other thing that you try to think about when you're investing is buy low, sell high. Yes. Yeah, Typical, stuff, right? you know, at the end of the day, that's a, that's a holy grail since business was started ever since. So, so that's why I'm saying we, we can try to sexify it, complicate it, but that's all mm-hmm. you're really trying to do. And that's why you're coming in at an early stage. So we're coming in at an early stage. We're building a large enough portfolio. We're trying to get a meaningful stake in these companies and try to help them grow and exit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of research done around, you know, how you, how you create returns. But in a venture portfolio, it's usually a power law. It's usually there will be a few companies that are going to be responsible for your returns. Yes. And so as a VC, you put yourself in a position to multiply your investors' money. So, so ultimate metric is, did I multiply your money or not? That's why yes. it's a long feedback cycle. Exactly. Now, there will be interim metrics mm-hmm. around, okay, how much money have I returned? Have I at least returned all of your money? If I've returned all of your money, I think we're all breathing a little better. Got it. Because then they'd say, oh, that was, okay, I took that risk and I didn't burn myself too much. Got Let's it. see what they come out with. Um, and, but prior to any real distributions, it's, it's really you know, your portfolio markups. Mm. Right? Like this is, this is the amount I've invested across these companies okay. based on the last rounds in. Mm. This collection is valued at this. So maybe, you know, you gave me 100 pesos to start. Okay. I've invested across 50, amount, yeah, right? 50 companies. And now if I, based on the last rounds in, some of them have died, but some of them have appreciated. Maybe right. it's on paper, it's worth 200 or 300. Mm. But again, I will always count paper gains as minter marks. Absolutely. Um, is there cash in my investors' bank accounts? Of course. Did I return any of that or did I multiply it? So that's ultimately what it is. But there, you can imagine there will be, I guess, uh, milestone type uh, or interim metrics that you can get as a lead up to that. Got it. Now let's talk about deal flow side. Sure. Let's talk about the startups because that's what people are probably going to listen to here for. Sure. What do you look for in a startup to be investable? Because again, I, I don't know how I, I can just imagine how many people, not just hound you, but all everybody in your team, like, hey, I want to pitch, I want, I want to get way make money and whatnot. Yeah. What do you guys look for in startups that you you invest? You, you said it's uh, enterprise and deep tech, yep. you know. But again, people always try. But what do you look for in people that you've cut checks for? Okay, so if we're talking specifically about the people, yeah. Um. One of the places we love to start is an industry or technology insight that not too many people will have. Um, I'm grinning because I think I'm in one right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, 
again as a starting point, right? So, I think Peter Thiel said it. Zero one. Yeah. One of my favorite books. What important truths do you believe that few people agree with you on, right? Yes. And I don't think people spend enough time thinking about this, but this is why when a business is so obvious, it becomes very competitive. And not not to say that you shouldn't pursue it, mm. but you should be aware that it's going to be difficult. It's just that by nature, entrepreneurs are overconfident and optimistic. Otherwise, Absolutely. they wouldn't be entrepreneurs. Correct, right? correct, correct. You need that because you're the small one trying to go after... The David. Yeah. Right. And I think it's easy to, to discount that. Mm-hmm. Now, when it's an industry insight that not too many people will have or a technology insight that not too many people will have, the inherent problem there is people won't agree with you. Right. They think you're crazy. Or they don't see it, or they don't believe it, or maybe yeah. Yeah, they've never noticed, or whatever. Because mm. it's hidden in plain sight. And so, if a founder is able to communicate why this opportunity is so attractive, yeah. even if other people might not agree or other people might not notice, sure, that's a great starting point for us. Okay. Um, and that's why in our model... <coughs> mm-hmm we can invest in things we don't know, right? There's a, f- wow. there's a famous saying that, you know, you only invest in the things you know. Right. But if everybody knows it... Then it's a red ocean. Maybe. Right. Or maybe you know it better. Got right? it. And, so, and so this is also why we co-invest. This is also why we have advisors. Mm. Um, but this is also why I personally get a kick out of it, right? Like some right. people will like to say that no you know the, this is the this is the map of successful startups in the US or China or India pick one right and mm-hmm. this is the map of Southeast Asia mm-hmm. see where all the gaps are we're not trying to reinvent the wheel we're just filling in the gaps got it okay right so that's that's a perfectly logical strategy like people will back stuff like that and people some people are very good at doing that mm-hmm. I don't think I am. Okay. <laughs> but hey, again, exits. Not just one exit. Yeah. Exits with an yeah. S. Yeah, yeah. And so we we like the opposite side where you make us go, huh, I didn't think about that. And so it's not just, you know, stump me. Then obviously you have to add in the layer of, well, this is how big this thing can be. Why? Because Market, as a VC, yeah. mm-hmm. I need to be able to invest in things that become mm-hmm. really big because mm-hmm. my investors are taking a huge risk. The reward has to be commensurate. So you Got could it. have a perfectly good business that won't scale, that would be perfectly funded by angels. Right. You shouldn't take my money. Got it. And the check sizes. I'm curious. Is there a minimum check size that I, I can only do this? Because angels can, you know, couple $50,000, whatever. That's okay. That's angel money. Correct. And so all of these check sizes are just relative to the size of your fund and relative to the size of the portfolio that you want to build. Got it. For you guys, what's what's that like? So our standard answer is we like to write the first check of about half a million dollars. Okay. Um, On a seed or a pre-series A? Yeah, whatever you want to call it these days. (laughs) Everybody calls it whatever. The pre-pre-pre-series A. So... so, (laughs) So let's call it half a million dollars out of a million dollar round, whatever you want to call oh, it. That's a few, okay. And sometimes 
you know, some of the startups might have been bootstrapped by older founders with their own money and were still yep. the first institutional money. Yep. And so when they come in, they might not just want one, they might want two. And so we'll yeah. try to write maybe a buck out of the two that. To, to help them. Okay. Right? Now, now, sometimes we'll do more, sometimes we'll do less, but it's, it's in that range. Got it. Okay. Um, yeah. And so if you're a founder and you come with... Um, an insight that's not really insightful. Mm. Um, <laughs> that's that sounds weird, but okay. An insight that's not really insightful. Okay, so do you want to double down? Yeah. And give, yeah. yeah. So so right. so there, every founder is taught to pitch these days, right? The problem yes. I'm trying to solve is this, <laughs> right? You eat this for breakfast for sure. And and so right. the question you have to ask yourself is: Is that a real problem? Is that a really meaningful problem, or is that a pretend problem? Mm. There are many things that are very that sound nice, right? Like, uh, again, th th this is with all of the training out there, obviously. And we've never met a founding team who wasn't the best founding team ever that's passionate and committed and whatever, right? Like every, every founding Everybody's team. like that. Yeah, so, right. so, so, so that's sort of table stakes. Yeah. Right? Um, and then when you know your... So again, this goes back to, I guess, my bias in my PNG days, right? right. Like do you know more about this than anybody else? Did you put the time to really think about it? Have you reflected on it? Are you just regurgitating jargon or just yeah. you know, copying what you read in another startup PowerPoint or you know, read in TechCrunch <laughs> or Tech in Asia today? Like, come on. Yeah. Right? And so typically, most of the founders that we end up backing, I think 90% of their co-founders are 30 and above. Um, I think more than a third are actually 40 and above. Wow. So Not to say that we don't back the younger right. ones, right? So Ankiti's very young. Uh, yeah. Anthony's young. But you could see that they've spent the time to really think about what they're doing and why. And they've eaten humble pie. Yeah. For sure. And that's, uh, that's a key thing, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, so bravado isn't something we react, I react well to. Okay. Um, that said, we're very clear. Just because we get comfortable enough to invest in something doesn't mean we're right or wrong. It just meant we, got, we, were, we were comfortable. Got it. And just because we didn't get comfortable enough to invest in something doesn't also mean we're right or wrong. Right. It just meant we weren't comfortable. I just want to just say, say this. I remember pitching you in a fucking airport. <laughs> We were, I, I forgot where I was going. I think I was going to Hong Kong. I saw you and I were like, hey, Paul, whatever. And I was, in, I was just trying to get feedback, really. It's like, hey, so my other startup, the, the nightlife one, was dead. Uh, and I'm doing chatbots now. And there is something you told me during that that really kept me fueled. It's like, maybe I'm really onto something. So I told them, I'm, I'm, I'm this is dev, dev, dev business and I make chatbots. I'm the first mover. And I know I'm onto something. I have X amount. And you told me something. Yeah, I like this business one. Good. Keep going. And then a few months after, I got a car. Like, yes. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> no, because, again, just like what you said, right? You know, you just needed to hear it. And from some, someone coming from you, that was, I felt pumped for weeks hearing, after that, <laughs> hearing that, oh, you know. Okay. So I'm, I'm glad I was helpful. I, I, no, I, again, I, thank you for I that. I didn't realize. No, but. <laughs> but congrats on no, the, the bravado vanished. It just, I know now how to eat humble pie and how to balance that out. 
Like you can't just be fronting all the time. Yeah. Again, it it we were talking about it before, right? Mm. Just be you. Yeah. I find that we try to parrot too much. Mm. Right? Oh, this guy's like this, I should do this, etc. Again. Copycat league. Take input. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. Right? right? There's nothing wrong with with finding out what's out there, what works, what doesn't work. Right? Yeah. I would, uh, okay, so I'll tease you again. Okay. Because this is Ateneo education. Okay. Um, no problem. I have no problem against Ateneo education. I love Ateneo. It's just the UAP so, that I have to compete. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yo, yeah. I respect Ateneo uh, through and through. I'm teasing. Yeah. No, it's 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 because uh, you know, in 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 spite of things, I I actually paid attention sometimes in school, and we were subjected to 16 units of philosophy, mm. and uh, it it actually has that that whole concept of thinking through things. I think it was Socrates who said something like the unreflected life is not worth living. The unexamined life is not wow. worth living, right? And I think that's a, that's a truth that you can apply to many things, even in the startup world where it might not be so obvious. Mm. Um, but people who've spent time reflecting on things, it will show when you have a conversation with them. Absolutely. And it's, it, it will just resonate right away. You know, it's not, you can just like, you okay, know. And okay, so let me give you a, a tip. If you can't pitch without a PowerPoint deck, mm-hmm. you probably don't have it down yet. True. Absolutely. Because it's in, that, that pitch should come not just from your brain, but from your heart. Yeah. You pitch from your heart. And I totally agree. Okay, so the, just to wrap this baby up, I have several questions to pay it forward to sure. everyone. Prior to the, was pressing the record button earlier, you told me there was one profound sentence that struck me so much. I've never heard this on the show. You told me that not everybody should be an entrepreneur. Yeah. What do you mean by this? Again, I understand that you know, we have a starting point in our culture that people say, oh, we're afraid to fail. That's why we don't become entrepreneurs. And therefore, mm-hmm. we should just encourage this, you know, Failure, embrace failure, and yeah. you should just go. And you, know, you can be whatever you want, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. You know, those are cliches for a reason, right? But there's also, you know, truth to the reason we all aren't. You know, if we were just doing what we were passionate, about, the, the reason we all aren't professional basketball players, or yes. professional singers, or dancers, or whatever you want, scientists, is because maybe we're unfortunately not built to do that. That's yeah. not where we create our most value. Yeah. And I had a, I remember one panel where, you know, there was a guy who was saying, oh, I think everybody should be an entrepreneur once in their life. And I was, I guess I, I called it my grumpy uncle mode, right? Like I said, <laughs> Ebenezer Scrooge. I said, no, right no okay. not everybody needs to become an entrepreneur. You don't need to. Just like not everybody needs to be a singer or, right. or an athlete or anything. Then he said, you know, yeah, but I think it's a, hum- a significant human experience. I said, you know, get a dog. <laughs> Do something, right? right? Like have a meaningful relationship with right. someone you want a human experience. It doesn't mean you need to be an entrepreneur because 
you know, just like anything, oh, anybody can sing in a karaoke, but not anybody right. can can become sort of a platinum singer, right? Exactly. So, again, it depends on why you're doing it, right? right? Like, if you want to give it a try, knock yourself out, right? But there's no shame. There should be no shame being part of a team. Exactly. You don't have to be alpha dog all the time. No. Right? And you might not deserve it. You might need to learn some stuff first before you're in charge. Exactly. Right? This is like, you know, everybody can do everything. Yes, again, I'm not saying you shouldn't try. But I'm not also saying that you shouldn't feel the pressure to just do it because everybody else is doing it. Like, Correct. Just look at freaking LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Read off men. Yeah. No, shout out to your LinkedIn where everybody's a founder. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's a freaking CEO, mentor, or advisor, and a coach. Right. What have you done in your life? Exactly. Right. And you will know that there will be some people who will say, you know, never, never, never give up. Yeah. And that's a cliche for a reason. And there were some people who say, know when to cut your losses. And that's true sometimes. So that's a cliche for a reason. But they're opposites. Yeah. Polarizing. Right. And so the point is, again, they're cliches because they're right sometimes. And the challenge is to know when When exactly. When to apply which decision. Correct. It's not like it's not the only playbook. There's multiple paths. And I agree. I I'm always been the guy. And my, my description on Facebook is I'm the mofo that never gives up. But when I re when I actually wave the right flag on guestlist.ph and party file, that's when I gained most. Because I was finally able to reflect because I wasn't on hustle mode all the time. And I was able to reflect that, oh, so this is where I messed up. This is where what I should change and all that. And, and again, this is the opposite, right? So the, there's the uh, you know, unexamined life is not worth living. And then there's also this case of analysis paralysis. Yes. Right? So, so when I share these things, it's not to say that this is the absolute truth. Correct. But it's something we should be aware of and use when the appropriate time comes. Correct. Right? In your arsenal. Okay, last few questions. Okay, how do you know, just knowing what how many startups you've been through, how do you know if a startup's going to succeed or not? What are the things you look at that, all right, this, these, these guys have a shot at this. I mean, at the end of it, there's so many factors, but I'm pretty sure there's common denominators sure. over successful startups and startups that fail. Yep. What are those? Um, so again, let me caveat this by saying you never, never really know until you've exited. Exactly. Okay. So yeah. anybody at their peak, the jury's still out, um, could still fall, Correct. as we've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, so first thing I tell founders is it's a deepening, nuanced understanding of their customer and their consumer. If they really, really understand who they're serving and they are really, really curious uh, they will discover nuances along the way. They will discover insights along the way that will influence their strategy, their product, their business model, etc. So that's the first thing. So some people are more in love with the product than the customer, and you should love your product. But yeah, is is it vanity, mm-hmm. or are you really trying to serve? So anyway, so wow. that's the first one. Okay. The second one is, is interesting because it's kind of obvious, but not so obvious. Okay, which, which is? Which is the ability to achieve or overshoot milestones that you've set for yourself. Setting bars and going 
over them or at right. least hitting them. Yes. And, and so the reason it's obvious is obviously a company that keeps achieving or overachieving will have a certain momentum that people will find attractive and continue to support. Correct. What's not so obvious is, especially at the earlier stages, some people give themselves too much discount not to hit the plan. Why are you, why are you bothering me about the plan? Now, of course, we know the plans don't work. Right. Right? But see, what that shows me when you set milestones and you actually achieve them, even if you're only at the seed stage, yeah. is that one, you probably know your business or you know how to plan your business to give yourself margin for error. Yep. And two, you probably know how to overcome obstacles that come your way and you're so committed to your goals that even when they come... You uh, go over them or yeah, anyway. Yeah. So that's the second part. Okay. And then the third part, is which was my bias earlier, which is, do you know how to build your organization? Yes. Like, are you thinking about it at least? And yes. if, if over time, you're always just a superhero and you don't know how to build a team, or over time, you don't have the judgment to see what kinds of people to bring on your team mm -hmm. or over time you can't recognize or you don't have the self-awareness to say I'm not the right guy to do this part anymore I should bring right. in somebody else to do that um, it's going to be hard to see you really knock it out so if those three things are what's common from among our, our best performing companies absolutely and the third part resonated with me email one of my favorite books ever is Good to Great by Jim Collins mm -hmm. Most startups are level four companies. Yep. They don't think about succession and they don't empower their teams enough yep. to, for that. Even if they go Bill Gates and have another several CEOs after them, the, the startup should thrive, right? And again, I, 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 never, I, I always want to present this as sort of two sides because, sure, you're a rock star founder for a reason. You see yeah. Right? You're able to do things other people might not be able to do. Right, So there's parts of that that you have to keep doing. Correct. Um, but on the other side, if you're not building an organization, it would be very, very, very difficult Correct. to scale. And so again, applying the judgment mm -hmm. around, okay, I trust myself enough to do this, mm -hmm. and I trust myself enough to pick the right people and to set them up for success right. this exactly. way. And uh, you, I, I'm having flashes now because... My first journey, I thought I could be Chuck Norris. Yep. All the time. A thousand people, I can do this. Guns blazing. But I realized when after everything fell that, yo, you won't go, if you want to go far, or if you want to go fast, go alone. But you're going to die some, 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 but if you want to go far, go, go together. Mm -hmm. And now the way I also execute all the time is I look at hey who am I going to run with who's my team first yeah. before I even make a first move yeah. and whatnot because I know I can only do so much and, and the same I get, I get questions around solo founders all the time I've backed solo founders my first yeah. investment was a solo founder the way you can make it up is you you build a team true properly exactly absolutely because okay you might not have but if you have a good leadership team that can 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 neutralize you that you can listen to and you can you know yeah or or just um, complement your weaknesses yeah right and, and still be committed so that's Correct. that speaks to your leadership too exactly right? like can you can you get them to go to war with you can you get right. them to run through brick walls with you and also humility that's one thing that again this that only failure and time can give because mm -hmm. when you eat humble pie 
and you can now and, and you're at peace with what you fucked up with then you know that alright no okay it's not just me I'm not I don't have the best idea yep. but I can find the right people to go to war with and we'll eventually figure it out and whatnot. okay last few questions um, what's your advice for people that want to go into venture capital as a career because this is a, again a road less traveled yeah more so as an entrepreneurship, there's more, there's less VCs out there, especially in the tech side of things. Yeah. Well, what, what are the, what are, what's your advice for them? So, it's the hopefully get rich slow scheme. Okay, it's not the ri- get rich quick because no. the feedback cycles are long, and especially if you come in the early stage, you really don't know. So, so venture capital as an industry, um, mm. what they will say is m- most actually don't work out. Mm. most disappoint in terms of the returns they're able to generate mm. vis-a-vis the risk they took. Wow. Um, and, you know, this whole tech thing is kind of over right now. I mean, the whole yeah. industry and so just different layers. So there's yep. some sexiness to being a founder, some right. sexiness to being a venture capitalist. So just, just know why you're doing it. Okay. Um, and yeah, so do you have a unique way of creating value? Do you, you know, do you have an insight that not too many people have? Right. Uh, do you have, you know, experience, perspective, network? Got it. That you can bring to the table that will mm. help. Like so, it's it's hard to do because, yeah, I mean. Not only do you have to pick well right. and get an exit, right. you have to be able to raise money to be able to do that in the yeah. first place, right? And so some people might be just good at raising money but might not know how to pick. Yeah. And some people, you know, a lot of people think they're good at picking, <laughs> but yeah. they might not be able to win the confidence of investors. To, so it's a... It's a it, double-sided thing. Yeah, right? and, and uh, you know... And it, it takes time. True. And, and exits are hard. Yeah. So, so again, I, I don't know if I'm being helpful, but basically, just, I guess my, my, my overarching advice is just be clear why you're doing this. Got it. Right? Right. Um, and this is the same advice I give founders, which is, you know, when you do something, just make sure it counts because if you lose money, you can make it back. Right. But the time you've lost doing it, uh, you'll never, never make it back, away. right? And so to not have any regrets, right? you're going into it saying, I consciously make this choice to do this and whether you know, I'll do my best and wherever it falls, I'll live with it and yep. I can be at peace. Absolutely. Okay, last two questions. So recently I saw the news about SurePass. Hmm. Right. Um, what does that paint you into now? I mean, given that the U.S. side of things is now, uh, what what what's next for you guys? Uh, so that? yeah, um, if you read the, so I'll I'll break that into two answers. So I'll okay. speak for the Southeast Asia side. If you okay. read the release, uh, there's a very clear line there that says Southeast Asia is not part of this deal. Correct. It remains wholly and uh, it remains independent and wholly owned by the management. Absolutely. Okay. So. In some sense, it means nothing. Got it. For us. In another sense, you know, so it's the US side. Okay. It's Eric. 
Um, and, you know, I, I have a small piece of that. Right. And, you know, it was Eric and Nick's right. having a discussion around, okay, what's next? What can we do? Got it. And, you know, Eric loves the idea of permanent capital. I guess he, he hates fundraising right. more than me. Mm-hmm. And could you create a new animal? So, in some sense, it's an entrepreneurial journey. Mm, okay. Right? There are, there are examples of publicly listed fund managers in the U.S. Got it. Other examples of investment holding companies in the U.S. Mm. Could you could you take a page from both and have it and merge it and have it tech focused? Got it. Uh, and make that available for Philippine investors to take part in, especially globally, which nobody has exposure exactly, to. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, and we seem to have some access to some interesting right. deals. We've seen to have some track record picking. Mm-hmm. Um, both fund managers as well, because we've made some. Eric has made some fund of funds investments as yep. well as direct investments. Who knows? But so, that's very exciting. Again, congratulations on yeah, that. Let's see. Yeah. Okay. See. Last question, and I always ask this, especially from the VCs that they've seen everything. What's still missing in this Filipinos are again as cliche as it may sound, oh but please gosh. be as real. Right. This is we're we've been in a slump for years now. But again, there's 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 some run hoses out there and whatnot. But yeah. what what's still missing? That and keep it real, please, because we always say that yeah, funding, internet, blah, blah. just like dude, there's not just that. There's got to be a bigger thing. What is it? Yeah, and I I don't limit this to. Filipino entrepreneurs, I, I say this to all entrepreneurs that I work with here in Southeast Asia, given that we're still early days yeah. and people are always wondering about the exits. Um, yeah. And, you know, the simple way I think about it mm-hmm. is if you want a valuable exit, yep. build a valuable business. Mm. And again, that sounds like common sense. But it might not be so obvious unless you think about it. Absolutely. Because there's a lot of, again, a lot of comps, just -hmm. looking at comps. Oh, you should look at this because this kind of startup got this kind of money in the U.S. Or this kind of startup got this kind of money in China. Right. That's one data point that might not even be relevant. Exactly. Right? So is it truly... A pain point. Um, again, there are problems and there are pretend problems. And you know, is this a vitamin supplement or is this chemotherapy, right? Like, yeah. And even in enterprise, you know, we always give ourselves a little room. Oh, it's just because the sales cycle is long and this and that. My experience has been when you actually find something that even a corporate finds is a real problem, they will move heaven and earth to work with you. Absolutely. And so... Build a valuable business, and again, we could go a uh, long session around that. Right. Set a bar high enough so it's worth your time, and so the, and, and the reward for actually solving the problem is substantial. So, again, this whole exit thing, we've had four exits this year mm. alone. The total enterprise of the value of those four companies was about $300 million. Oh, my God. Congratulations. Holy uh, shit. But these are sort of early days, right? But so still. You had, you had Ron over here. Yeah. 
Um, Several which, ones. Yeah, which is Gojek. So you have a Southeast Asia acquisition, right? Right. Indonesia, I had, Philippines. I had one that was undisclosed, but let's say it was acquired by Asia Pacific Company. Wow. Uh, for $30 million. So Ron's was 72 plus plus. I'm, I'm quoting the publicly announced one. Of course. So let's stay with, with the legal stuff. We don't want to. <laughs> uh, and then uh, uh, Red Dot was acquired Red by was Naspers and Payu. That was 65 oh, plus Naspers plus. Naspers is out there again. <laughs> Wow. And then uh, WaveCell, which was acquired yep. by 8x8, eight eight, was $125 million plus, plus our biggest oh exit so God. far, right? How old were these companies in, on an average? Five, four years? I'm old, yeah. Wow. No, that's not wow. And prior to this year, the question was like, Paul, how do you know people will come and buy Southeast Asian companies, right? And this is what yeah. I was trying to uh, explain earlier around, do you, e you either believe this ecosystem or this region is, is fertile ground to build valuable companies. Yeah. And the reality is the best companies, you know, they're, they're bought um, by somebody you might not expect, or maybe even if they're the ones you expect, they will, they will come by you. You don't have to force them. True. You don't have to sell them hard. True. And I agree. What attracts them is they will see value that you've created already, but they will also see how plugging your value into theirs, into their ecosystem, Synergy. yes, that yeah. they will be able to create even more. Yes. Right? And so again, uh, hopefully this is specific enough because I, don't know, uh, because I don't know how to make it even more specific. But if you're a founder and you're thinking about building a business, think really hard about the opportunity you're pursuing. Think really hard. Is it really a problem? Are you going to be rewarded for solving that problem? Think really hard if you have the right <clears throat> to play mm -hmm. and uh, how do you build an organization around you to help you pursue that opportunity Got it. Um, if you can be truly honest with yourself that this is worth a shot then mm -hmm. go for it right but okay. if not take your time yeah there's no shame in that you don't have to be in the running game if you don't even have shoes on <laughs> per se Right. Okay. Again, thank you very much, Paul. Appreciate it. I congratulate this by far. Again, I keep saying this on several episodes, but this is our longest episode. This, I'm pretty sure. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's not. No, no. You don't have to apologize. This is gonna be great. And thank you very much. This is gonna be released right smack in the middle of Philippine Startup Week. So thank you very much. But what's next for you guys? Invite over people to to reach out and whatnot if they wanna pitch to you or if they think they have already figured it out. Well, how do they yeah, do that? So yeah, if you're in the Philippines, look for. Toby Floro. Toby Floro. We'll have his deets here and uh, to, to get that done so that we can have uh, him. Uh, don't, don't email me because it's going to get stuck in my head. Okay. <laughs> Toby is a... Is a okay. Toby is the man. Yeah. All right. So, but Paul is very busy. So, let let curse it through the right peeps so that you can actually get hurt and whatnot. Yeah. Okay. Anything next that, that we should look out for and what you guys are up to and whatnot? No, we're just you know wrapping up our third fund. We're okay. about eighty-five percent away. Oh wow! So if you're a rich guy, if you want to be an LP, there, there you go. Just reach out to Paul, I guess. We'll yeah. see. Well, sure. Okay. Thank you for that. Uh, and thanks for thanks for you know, inviting me over. Hopefully, this is useful for you. Not just me. I'm not doing this. Not doing this for me. I'm doing it for Startup PH. Yeah. And hopefully, a lot of people of you guys. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's not. Hopefully, I'm pretty sure a lot of people have. Been, 
people will take value, immense value out of this. Again, so before we wrap this baby up, please follow the Hustle Share podcast on whatever podcast app you're listening on to. Don't forget to follow us because we need that too. You guys, so you can be in the loop. Second one is if you want to hear any jargon or if you're not sure about any jargon we uh, said, it's going to be on hustleshare.com uh, for the show notes. Check it out and. Uh, don't forget to join our community and Hustle Share community so you can get first tips over who's going to be guesting next on the show. And lastly, don't forget to message us on our chatbot at m.me slash hustleshare powered by chatbotbh to get in the loop of who's on the show and whatnot, any other news and whatnot. So again, thank you very much, Paul. Appreciate it. And I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace.